Hey, welcome to Creative Block. We're your host, Jean. And V, we interview people in creative industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We ask people on Twitter if they have specific topics they want us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Aaron Austin. Hi. Hello. Hi, Aaron. Hi. Uh, Aaron, yeah, happy to be here. I don't care. Aaron, no! um, tell us who you <laughs> are you. and what you do. Um, I'm really coming Aaron. in hot on this one. <laughs> <laughs> we're good friends. We're good friends. This is not. Yeah, I'm no, not just we're being an asshole. we're mortal enemies. We yeah, we're nemesis. Fun episode. <laughs> um, my name is Aaron Austin. I work in animation as a storyboard artist. Uh, I've been working in the industry for like eight years now. Um, yeah. But I also do comics for my own sanity on the side. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah, yeah, you've you've wear you've worn a lot of hats. You've done a lot of things. Um, and you have a very interesting career, but also life story that we'd love to unpack a little bit, um, as much as you're willing to tell us. Um, but we always start I'll, with the, uh, with they're the, all my secrets, all your secrets. <laughs> um, That's the end of the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, tell us how you got your start drawing. Start drawing. Oh, we're going yeah. back. We're going back, baby. Going back. Um, I've been drawing my whole life, I guess, uh, I, ever since I was like two years old. It was one of those things that like my mom would always say like, oh yeah, he's been drawing his whole life ever since he was mm -hmm. two. So that's, I give the same spiel too. Mm. There's, um, yeah, I've always been drawing, uh, since I could, I guess. Um, and did and... you, I guess, like, did you know that like drawing was like a hobby or something that could be maybe a job or were you just like no this is just for fun yeah i well i like growing up as a kid it was just for fun i didn't really think about career much mm. in in my youth until like high school i was like oh you know i think i'd like to do something art related as as a job and i had like no understanding of what any artistic industry was so i was like i want to design cd covers for like rock bands <laughs> like that was my that was my like uh initial dream projection I, but i didn't i'm like what kind of job is that like is that graphic design like who does that um i had no idea and then one time in uh high school i was i had like an art class and some person came from some art school and like gave a presentation on different art careers and they talked about animation and I think specifically video games um but then I was like oh animation like yeah I would love to do that and then that was like junior year of high school and then since then I've been on that track that's funny how I feel like a lot of people they uh that we talk to they all kind of like stumble onto the idea that you can work in animation because I think yeah. Our our generation specifically, like we might have been the last um that didn't have immediate access to a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it still felt very like far removed and like I don't like people do this. Like I remember I don't yeah. know who it was, but somebody was like, Oh, that's right, like people have to make this. And yeah. Was, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, what are some of your earliest uh artistic projects that you can remember? Whoa. <laughs> uh that just blew your mind yeah i was like you know at the age of two i was working on a drawing of uh 
uh, a snake and uh, <laughs> that was that was my what earliest were you, what were you <laughs> what were you trying, trying to say i was really trying to capture you know the the wiggle of the snake the slither of the snake <laughs> i love that snakes have been a thing for your whole life because you draw yourself as like a, a like a lizard oh that's true yeah i i think i don't know when that happened but i always kind of considered myself reptilian and so it's <laughs> like <laughs> is this like a hint that you're a reptile person? I think you're like, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. it funny how I'm, I'm like a... draw myself as a reptile? Isn't, it isn't that so crazy? <laughs> Has anyone picked up on that yet? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I think one time like someone, um, like I I have like pretty thin lips, and someone said that called them lizard lips once, and oh. I was like, oh, oh yeah, I, that's a, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a lizard now from now on. No, oh, all right. So <laughs> lizards are the best. Yeah. But I mean, growing up, I just drew like, I had like my own, in terms of like artistic projects, when I was a kid, I had a friend and we would draw our own, we had like a Pokemon Digimon, like our own version of it that we called Crystal Creatures. Mm -hmm. And we had a, this whole story we wrote with it. And we had like, we had drawn this whole like Pokedex, like a sketchbook full of all these crystal creatures. And so... Yeah, and then unfortunately abandoned that at the age of like ten. So uh, you will not be seeing a crystal creature. Didn't become a huge uh, empire. <laughs> it's not become a franchise, no. But I you think have I've to draw also... one. You have to draw one right now. Yeah, crystal creature. <laughs> oh my god, they were all so we followed the Digimon rule uh -huh. um, of like how all the Digimon end with Mon, right? Uh -huh. um, but we we're like oh but we'll use crystal so they all ended in stole which is like okay. not a good suffix for so there was like one that was like it was is it called like spike stole i wonder if i okay. can it's not so bad <laughs> but then there was like it was just really boring stuff like flower stole like uh probably lizard stole like it was mm. just kind of like i don't know it's a gross way to end a word <laughs> yeah not great what a stupid nine-year-old Aaron should have known better. Yeah, he looked a little bit. I think he had like a mohawk. I'm gonna try and draw it also as bad as it looked back then. I like how this is a shared experience though, because I I, I also had my own like trading cards, and um, I don't think I really did. No, I d I definitely did Pokemon too. I think that was just such a like fun thing to like come up with your own version of that. Yeah, I, I would bet that a lot of artists had a moment where they uh, send us your uh, Pokemon, everybody. I want to hear everybody's uh, all the listeners' fake Pokemon that they came up with. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, it was um, you know, <laughs> it was a fun time. Anyways, yeah. here's Spike Stole. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and that's <laughs> kind of stepped right. on my eyeball a little bit. My, well, my like. <laughs> If y'all are listening on the Spotify oh, or iTunes, definitely check out the YouTube video <laughs> to see yeah. Spike Stall. Spike Stall. <laughs> that kind of looks um, like you, Aaron. Yeah, you know, I, I maintained, I kept some of that energy with me always. <laughs> okay. Do you see me me drawing you as Spike Stall, but with like a big <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Big old diaper. Um, Put a little heart right there. 
Yeah, you were saying how like you also did collectibles, like Gene. You were. Yeah. I mean, it's funny yeah. because I did that. I didn't do it with the. I didn't do it with the Pokemon, but I did draw like a lot of characters that were all part of a like. You know what? I was doing NFTs when I was a child <laughs> on paper. That was literally <laughs> what I was doing. Wow, V is canceled. <laughs> now you can cancel my uh, little kid uh, self. Anyway. Um. <laughs> um. So. Uh, so yeah. You went. Did you go? Uh, what college did you go to for school? So I went to Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah, which is a private university owned by the Mormon Church or LDS Church. So mm -hmm. I was a I was a good Mormon back then, and then what um, happened? They, <laughs> I got disqualified. <laughs> yeah. Um, they actually have a good uh, animation program, and so it was a good place to go to kind of like get that education. But um, it was interesting because I am a, a I'm a practicing homosexual, <laughs> <laughs> and that did not uh, coincide with the university very much. But sure yeah what was that um what was that moment like for you like kind of realizing it and um like because we've talked about it before and so you can talk about it as much as you feel comfortable but uh-huh um but i know it's tough like i know it's tough with the mormon church like the, it kind of you get ostracized a little bit um was there a, a moment where you realized that like you couldn't stay with the church anymore or how did that kind of pan out um yeah there was a so i like served the whole mormon mormon missionary like two-year thing and um i got back and was going to byu and i'd already been accepted into the animation program where did you go for um, animation? uh south africa oh wow um and so i got back and i started in the animation program and i was like um there was, I had this dream of like marrying a woman and like being faithful in the church <laughs> forever. And the yeah. your wife being faithful <laughs> to the church. Um, yeah, it's it because in at the center of the religion is uh heterosexual marriage, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of like the way to advance to the highest rank of uh Mormon heaven, mm -hmm. and so it's very like so, um. Yeah, I uh, was it, like so, sold on that dream. I was like, I'm going to the highest heaven with my wife. And then I got really depressed because I was, still wasn't attracted to women, even though I was, you know, mm. hoping God would have made that happen by that point. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so then I was like, I'm going to start dating guys. Long story short, I dated guys in secret through most of my time at BYU. Um, and actually, like, for the most part, it was, I mean, it was a stressful experience, but I loved the animation program and I had a lot of great friends that I could confide in. And I think like studying the arts and having a lot of friends who were studying animation, you get a lot, you get a, a more accepting crowd. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, it was, even though it was a weird experience, it was, I really liked my, my college experience. Um, yeah surprisingly cool. yeah um how did you kind of like um 
what was the timeline for you kind of in college, like starting to look for a job or internships or like how did that transition between college and, and uh, the professional world happen for you? Um, so I started like posting my art online, I think in college, I didn't do it at all in high school. Um, what, um, what was your platform of choice? I, I think I, my, my gateway drug was deviant art. Um, <laughs> that was my, my foray into the world of internet art. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I had like a blog spot and then eventually a Tumblr, um, Blogspot, those were the days. Yeah, I remember blogs. Those were the days. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, remember... I still have a portfolio up on a blog spot somewhere that I hope no one ever sees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember. I think I started following you on Tumblr. Yeah, Blogspot was just not easy to like get a sense of community and like start making friends because I feel like Blogspot. You, I don't know. It's like people had to go out of their way to put you in their link list you know yeah and there's not a way to like find people unless uh, like everyone i knew on blogspot i had met in person and was like follow my blogspot there <laughs> <So laughs> wasn't a way to like discover new artists because i think i found both of you guys on tumblr as well probably yeah tumblr was great for that because it, it, it yeah. was kind of like a um I mean, I guess it's still around, but it's like a, a middle ground where you had your own little space, but because of the reblogs, like it was so easy to spread. Um, yeah. Cool stuff. So yeah. I had a, uh, I had one comic that I made as like part of an Inktober I did. Um, and it was just a comic about like, uh, oh, it, like it feels so good when like a professional artist likes your post online um, and I drew it really sloppy. It was really stupid, but people liked it. And it's like, I think my most noted or most liked post on Tumblr. And I think that got, um, like it increased my following, got my work out there. Mm -hmm. And then I think it was about a year after that, uh, Carl Greenblatt who created Chowder and, um, uh, eventually Harvey Beaks um, hired me just by finding my Tumblr. Yeah, Carl is really good at um, finding like new artists, like young artists that haven't had their break. Like I feel like he's launched a lot of careers. Yeah. And he has a really good eye for talent. Yeah, he just kind of, he scooped a lot of people up from that space. Mm -hmm. And so, um, <laughs> thank you, Carl, if you're listening. He's <laughs> <laughs> on the show. Very yeah. grateful. Oh yeah, yeah, I meant to watch his. Yeah, but you didn't. Um, oh! I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, I've heard that bitch's voice. Yeah. Too much. <laughs> Constantly in your ear. Well, interesting, interesting technique that Carl has of show running. He uh, watches you draw for eight hours a day and whispers into your head the whole time. Yeah. Um, do better. Do better. Do better. <laughs> yeah, that's all he says. <laughs> do better. Do better. Do better. Um, and it go. works makes great shows no just kidding um uh but yeah no so that was i mean that's when we met as well uh, we were both at nickelodeon um and uh, you were on harvey beaks and uh carl has a really nice approach to uh this is a legitimate thing he has a legit a, a nice approach approach to show running where it's very board driven and like you know the um 
Uh, Harvey Beaks had outlines, right? Harvey Beaks had like writers come up with outlines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but then from there, it's kind of up to the board artist to like make it funny. And uh, how do you feel about that process? Does it work for you or is it kind of uh, draining? Like uh, specifically kind of the outline driven format? Yeah, yeah. I have I have some opinions, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think at the time, like fresh out of school, like really eager to work, um, being able to kind of like write the dialogue was, it was exciting and it was like fun to get my voice in there and it was fun to pitch my own joke, my own jokes and hear, um, you know, the response like people laugh at and everything. Um, but I think the whole time I thought, oh, they're going to run this through a filter. Like a real writer is going to like oh. take this after me and like make it better. But that never happened. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm a, yeah, I guess I'm a writer now. <laughs> that's, that's just you. Yeah. I guess I wrote a script. Yeah. Um, and so there's one of the things where I think it's, it's really fun in principle. And some people, it really works for them. Like they love that feeling of writing everything. Um, but for me, I just get burned out so easily doing that. Yeah. Um, and we actually had um, Anna Nistrom on the show who worked on Adventure Time, who like said the same thing where it was like, it's just so much doing both, like the writing yeah. and the drawing. That it's like eight jobs. <laughs> it's, yeah. The, it's the, a lot. The burnout is is pretty deep. Like I've I've never worked on a board driven show. The closest thing I've done is Thundercats Roar, where like the scripts we had scripts and we could kind of uh, we had a lot of room to improve. Not I wouldn't say improve, but like kind of redo the pacing, add jokes, cut some dialogue. We, it was like very malleable in that sense. But at least there was a script. So if we were like too burnt out, it's like I'm just gonna do the script. <laughs> yeah, you had kind of like a. It gives a better foundation, I think. Um, at least for me, like the way that I work, it's nice to have like somebody's written all the dialogue, and then having the option of like plussing up. Yeah, certain parts is fun, or like, yeah, like making some edits, but having to write the whole thing on top of drawing the whole thing, just made me want to die. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something that I I, I think that in the t like during the Adventure Time era that became a very popular thing because it's like like this show is made entirely by artists and um, definitely for me, but I think for a lot of people that was such an alluring thing because it felt like you had such ownership of the final product as an artist. Yeah. It's like wow, I'm like making these episodes, but I I have definitely come around like seeing yeah. my friends burn out, seeing kind of the toll it took on a, on a, almost a whole generation of artists. It's like, yeah, I don't know if this is the right way to go. I think you got to have a pipeline. I think you got to have yeah. artists to do the writing. I and, think it's yeah. also because it came from shows where the writing was just so much less about the words, but more about like yeah. the physical comedy. So it mm -hmm. makes sense to do a board driven show if it's kind of like a sketch. Kind of like if you look at the early SpongeBob episodes, mm -hmm. uh, the Dialogue is very simple, and most of the jokes are just like crazy drawings. Um, well, the boards were like basically beat boards; like they were so yeah. much simpler than too. Now it's like a, a basically animation. Um, yeah, yeah, but I feel like yeah. Now when you have like like especially serialized shows, <laughs> with 
they're they're like the level of writing is just so high because you're not just writing the episode you also have to keep track of all the different character arcs oh god yeah yeah so like like shows like and i don't know how you would kind of like rank harvey beaks versus Steven universe in terms of like these kind of like levels of writing that you have to pay attention to you know uh because harvey yeah. like you, i think you were doing some callbacks to some older episodes every now and then right yeah but it definitely wasn't like a uh like this ongoing big massive story it was kind of like more contained but mm. um yeah. uh i wanted to ask about because so um we worked on jellystone together and mm -hmm. for jellystone the process was a little different in that um you and the other directors and board artists all got together and wrote all the episodes beforehand. So to me, that was interesting because it still gave the artists and, and the directors kind of ownership of the content, but it didn't create such a clogged, like difficult pipeline. Um, but I would love to hear your take on like, was that better? Did it have other challenges involved in it? Yeah. It was it was a, a definitely a new process. Like I had never sat down and written outlines before. And I think a lot of the board artists that were in the writing room, like I don't think any of us had really had writing experience like that. Mm -hmm. That part was really fun to sit down and like um, discuss episodes and like come up with things. And then um, everyone would kind of like, it'd be like, oh, I'm going to take this episode and then like, write a draft and then come back if i'm remembering correctly and then we'd all kind of read through it and then give thoughts and everything. i think the biggest thing with these kinds of pipelines is that like it's a great idea but there just needs to be more time mm -hmm. like um on jellystone specifically it's like it's a really fun idea to um i think write your own episode and then you get to board that episode um but they were also boarding alone. They didn't have board partners. Right. Um, and it was yeah, like a pretty quick turnaround. It was like, uh, it's like five weeks, four, right? four or five weeks. Yeah. Um, which is a lot to do by yourself when you're also getting notes on top of that. Um, so, and a lot of times like, yeah, there'd just be so many changes that you're boarding a completely different episode by the end of it. So, it's it's one of those things where I, I I like the principle of it, like giving that much creative freedom to someone. Um, and a lot of people love that. But I think that TV production just tends to be really fast turnarounds. And so it's like, okay, you having fun? Like, we'll do it quick and then we'll have do this fun experience again over and over every month for years. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, I think it kind of is just a little I think with you because of that what you just said about like how this is a job for like a long time that you're supposed to have for a long time is kind of like the thing that we all tend to forget when we like go in the industry at first we're like this is great and then there's a moment when you start getting exhausted and you're like wait it's only been a year and a half I yeah have another 40 <laughs> years to do yeah <laughs> yeah and last year like... last year i was 25 and this year i'm i'm 47 and i don't know what happened but... <laughs> yeah 
because <laughs> I remember, I mean, the first gig I ever did, I didn't, I, it was script driven. It was a fast runaround, but it was, um, but, it, but we were, it was script driven, but we were doing the animatics because, you know, they're always trying to cut corners. So yeah. if you're not doing the scripts, <laughs> you're doing the animatic. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember telling production because I was really candid and production was like, they were in the trenches with us. They were also a skeleton crew. So we, you know, we we're on the same side. And I was like, yeah. I was like, listen, I, we were like going back, walking back to the Metro. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this my whole life. How am I going to yeah. do it? And she, <laughs> I remember she told me, you know, we always find a way. And I was like, what? <laughs> 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 just keep smiling <laughs> that can't be good <laughs> that cannot be a good way of, of thinking of this i um, think it's just kind of like she had been through the ringer like a like a ton and it it was kind of like her way of saying like you know you'll you'll be fine or like you know like just don't worry about it too much because that's also the thing is like i think when you're in school you know i don't know how your school was but if they had that kind of messaging like uh you gotta work long hours it's gotta be perfect it's highly competitive so you better kind of show you're the best yeah and when you come into the industry with that mindset it becomes really really hard to let go of it and then it's really really easy to like work yourself to like the bone so i don't know mm -hmm. if that was kind of like your experience of college aaron like um how so you know how so like some how some teachers sometimes are like you just like kind of grind yourself to the bone like work all night kind of mentality yeah or um you know there was some of that my experience was actually like interesting because well i mentioned that the animation program was really good at BYU. It it's really good in terms of like cg animation um and so in a lot of ways, I didn't receive a ton of instruction from school about like storyboarding um, specifically. I took, there's there's like one class that they had that I took. Um, a lot of stuff I learned with that specific skill came from online. And so I feel like I kind of watched them pressure the CG artists, like work all night, blah, 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 like do this stuff. And then I was just kind of like, I'm my own thing. Like <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I don't th think I um, fell prey to that mindset too much, which is why I've always kind of had a uh, a mentality of I'll do the bare minimum at work and that's that's what I'm getting paid for and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's been frustrating when I feel like I'm in spaces where it's expected that like, oh, part of your payment is the you know the job satisfaction and your enjoyment from this and yeah that's you, you know you have so much creative liberty and i'm like I, I i'm like i i don't want that liberty like lock me up give me give me a script lock me to a script like give me freedom a little bit like give me some wiggle room but well like it, i don't want yeah. to be too burnt out here it's a it's a whole other thing to unpack but it definitely is how studios abuse the notion of like this is a dream job for their own gain right and yeah and we see it all the time especially with younger artists and we've definitely talked about it on the show before where it's like people are 
young artists want to be in this because they love this. And so when they're brought in, they're willing to do, do the, you know, extra to, uh, to go the extra mile and studios love that because it's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's basically free labor and, um, they don't mm-hmm. have to worry about, they don't have, they don't care. Like they're just like, Oh, you love this, right? Yeah. Put, put in all these extra hours. Cause you love this. And this is going to be a great show. And it's like, yeah. I, I have had all these conflicted appe- uh, feelings about it because I, uh, sometimes you get really awesome shows that mean a lot to a lot of people from that. And like from artists kind of pouring themselves into it. But the flip side of that is that it leads to massive burnout. And then with what we've been seeing is a lately with all these mergers and cancellations and firings and it's a harsh reminder that the studios don't give a shit about you and don't give a shit about yeah. the, the, the shows, you know? And so it's like, there is a version of the industry where everything is, where budgets are more generous and um, schedules in turn are more generous and people can put more of themselves into it, but they are rewarded for it you know with either like better work-life balance or just literally more money um Mm -hmm. the way things are now it's in my eyes is is challenging because there's just no benefit there's no real benefit to to doing that grind kind of mentality because it's like to what end to get fired you know like yeah warner brothers merges with nbc or whatever the next thing is like so I don't know. Um, no, I think it's that, like, yeah, oh, ahead. sorry. I, I thought there was like a little pause. No, no, um, no, yeah, go ahead. But I do think, no, I, I like what you said, Aaron, about like, this is a job and I'm just, I'm going to stick to the hours because I feel like this is how we create realistic expectations for the studios. And yes. also like, and also I think it's really, really hard for a lot of artists to come into this industry because it's like, what used to be kind of like your hobby, your passion, your little like secret uh, garden now becomes yeah. your job. And this is, I think a lot of artists who work in animation go through this like identity crisis. Cause it's like, what, who am I? What am I? And I think, and at least for me, I've always thought to myself, I never want to not like drawing cause it's like so important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always made a point to keep doing personal art because I was like if I ever didn't like drawing anymore I would be so depressed and I like that you uh do you do post a lot of personal art and comics and did you start doing comics on the sides or or personal art on the side since college or is this something that you started doing while you were working when you started working um yeah I've always um like had my own kind of a, a lot of my online posting is uh or if well actually all of my online posting is just um art that I do in my free time and and for fun I don't think I've ever posted a storyboard um it's almost like I feel like it would taint that space a little bit <laughs> I completely but understand. yeah I've, I mm-hmm. I feel like I I always I exactly the same thing you said V like I have to have um this I have to keep it mine and I have to be my own boss with drawing at at least you know at some time of the day because I see tons of people who are like I yeah I think I hate drawing now or I can't draw anymore without it hey (laughs) (laughs) our very own gene yeah (laughs) we have the sounds just like me (laughs) the other perspective now (laughs) yeah uh, yeah 
Well, I have a, I wanted to ask you about, um, about your comics and like, I think you've created that balance for yourself where you have your personal work and V too, and me, I mean, all three of us, I guess we, we have our mm -hmm. personal work and, and the job is the job. And, mm -hmm. um, when things go south, as they often do with jobs, it's not as heartbreaking because you haven't poured all of yourself into it. It's just like, well, shit, you know, there goes my paycheck, yeah. but like you can find another job, but fulfillment and purpose is so much harder to keep healthy. And that's, I think that's go going back to what I was rambling about. That's where it's tough where people put too much of themselves into the job. And that's why it's so fucking heartbreaking when, when, yeah. when studios shut down. Cause it's like, well, yeah, you put too much of yourself. Like you, you yeah. can't cause it's, it's ultimately, you know, for stocks, <laughs> it's to make stock and prices go up. It's also yeah. kind of hard because it's not yours. Like exactly. even if you pour your heart and soul in a Batman movie, you don't own Batman. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the slap in the face from V. <laughs> you don't own Batman. You don't own you Batman. Don't own, you'll never own Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe in your personal art folder but yeah. uh, <laughs> cut this i don't know maybe we keep Why? it <laughs> <laughs> no it's, so much it's batman really porn <laughs> <laughs> that would be so funny though um i'm sorry to say that i don't it's a, yeah anyhow <laughs> i'm too vanilla um <laughs> but back to the yeah like you know you pour your heart and soul in a in a property because i feel like especially now it's it's not even even and even if it's an original property if you're a board artist or even a director you only it's still not yours like yeah. it's the showrunners and even then it's not even so much of the showrunners anymore because the company still owns it so it's like maybe yeah. maybe 80 percent the showrunners that's what i think yeah it almost makes it um i i like that separation almost a little bit because it it keeps me from getting too invested mm -hmm. in the things that I work on. It's like, oh yeah, I'll like babysit your kid, but you know, I'm going to go home and like back to my own children whom I right. you know, actually love and created. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, you don't get attached to the kids you babysit or you shouldn't because you know, it's like being the fun uncle. You can spoil, <laughs> you can spoil the kids. Uncle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes um, you splurge a little bit, but most of the time you don't think about that. Yeah. <laughs> so awful. You take your paycheck and you go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, it makes it easier to kind of stay emotionally detached, I think. I, I realized that very early on, in working in animation, it was on Harvey Beaks where I think when we first started to get our episodes back, um, and I was like, "Oh, I get to see like a finished episode that I worked on," and they, like they they came out great. The episodes came out yeah. great, but it did feel like, oh, it didn't feel mine. It didn't like things that I had made had changed, or yes, like the voice actors read it a little differently, and it was like, oh, so my original vision isn't there the show's still good it's a lot of people you know coming together makes them sure. good mm -hmm. but it was like oh i think that this isn't as much mine as i i think very early on i started to kind of step back and be like okay this is 
um, yeah. Yeah, no, not going to be as fulfilling as I think I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it makes sense. I, I went through the same thing um, on my first board job, which is Animaniacs, and it. it I knew that that was going to be. A, that it was a big show with a really, actually, well kind of thought out pipeline where there is writers and then there is boarders and everything. But still, yeah, it's like so much was changed from beginning to end that I feel like zero ownership of anything that I did. I like never even watched my episodes really because I was just, I knew there was not going to be anything left of any of my yeah. choices. So I was just like, whatever. I, I think that's something care. that people tend to forget sometimes when they think about boards. Like sometimes you're really, really lucky. Like you, you get on a show where like almost all of the boards that you did are yours and they end up yeah. in the episode, but it's, it's, it, it's not always the most common thing. Uh, cause so many people have to give notes, so it has to be a little bit of like a lightning in the bottle kind of situation for your boards to really make it into final. Yeah. Um, because mm -hmm. there's so many layers of people giving notes. It's not only just the director and then the supervising director and then the showrunner and then the execs, and then you gotta trickle down all these notes again, and then SNP, that's another entity, and then um, so yeah, it I think it's easy to forget that there's all these layers of approval and and notes and things that have to change the product that yeah yeah and it's not <laughs> always like and it, it's easy to at first take that personally i think it's like oh they changed yeah. everything but then you realized oh they had to change this line because you actually can't say frick or something mm -hmm. you know it's like mm -hmm. or they uh you know s p says you can't you know, do this. It, it runs through so many filters that are just like the rules of what's allowed to be kind of published by a studio that it's like, oh, so it's like, uh, it's not really a shortcoming on, on my part that things changed. Yeah, I mean, no, sometimes no. It, it is, you know, sometimes you just give a sucky board and then things have, they have to fix it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times it's just like, oh no, things just change. And um, that's why it's kind of like, you don't want to get too attached to it because it'll come out of the pipeline different than <laughs> it's like they changed my baby's face <laughs> what happened to my baby <laughs> yeah so what was the first comics project that you did that made you kind of rediscover that part um of you? yeah so I, like i was always doing like personal art like fan art just like sketchbooking or whatever but i kind of um I, I think I've always wanted to have sort of like a project or to publish something of, of my own. Um, and so it was, I think it was around Harvey Beaks or maybe my job after Big City Greens where I started really trying to commit to making a comic. And the first comic I tried making was called The Evergreen Heart. Mm -hmm. um, and it was actually based on an idea that I came up with while I was a missionary in South Africa. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and because of that, and I was still uh, obviously like very Mormon at the time, it had a lot of like Christian themes and messages. Mm. Um, not that I was like, you know, the big spoiler at the end, here's Jesus and he saves the day. <laughs> it, like it wasn't that on the nose, but it was very much like inspired by religious doctrine which is i think part of the reason why it kind of well i i ended up abandoning it because it was like oh i don't really feel a lot of these morals and the kind of yeah. themes in my life yeah. anymore mm -hmm. um 
But I will say this, it was a great experience trying to make a comic because I think it was like the best boot camp for drawing. Um, Cause it was like, okay, I wrote this story where uh, um, they live in, uh, I don't know, like these houses and they have to have these objects. And, and it's like, okay, I guess I have to learn how to draw houses and this and environments because you know, I, I want to show characters in a scene and it was like a great way to, to learn how to kind of structure a comic. That's what I kind of consider it now is like my boot camp in comics. Um, I agree. I feel like uh, comics are a great way to, to practice a lot of different things like art, but also writing and also um, how mm -hmm. you structure a scene and pacing and everything. It's like, almost pretty much like directing your own own like feature for yeah. this tv show really yeah nice. exactly and after so so you said that yeah there's a moment like it kind of you you kind of fell off the messages that you initially wanted to have in this comic um did you know you wanted to make another comic after you were kind of like ah i don't know if i want to keep doing this one yeah so um, another reason I, uh, kind of, uh, gave up on the evergreen heart was I bit off way more than I could chew. I had kind of structured this story that was like going to be, you know, one of those epic fantasy journeys. And, you know, I wanted all these, I wanted these storylines to tie together at the end. And, um, I realized at the pace I was able to make the comic, I started to really stress myself out because I was like, I'm going to die before <laughs> yeah. This is, like this is literally if I keep going at this pace, it's gonna take like fifty years, and that was like that's like, like not even really an exaggeration. I like was trying to calculate like okay, in this amount of time, I finish this amount of pages. Based on the outline I've made, it's gonna be like maybe this amount of pages. It's gonna take me like five thousand years to do this. Um, yeah. So I kind of it be it almost became because of the the huge project that it was. It almost started to feel like a job and like a an obligation like I need to finish yeah. this I need to finish this and I, I stopped enjoying working on it um and so that was kind of around the beginning of the pandemic um and I kind of stopped working on it and for the next like two years was kind of just floating through like I really wanted to have a project but I felt like I was in limbo like between things mm -hmm. like I didn't want to work on the evergreen heart anymore um but i didn't have a very solid idea of what i wanted to do next um and uh eventually so mommy's miracle tank was kind of this like small idea i had in the back of my head for a couple of years based on some drawings i did on tumblr back in like 2015 um and it was and i was like oh i maybe i can like make this into a thing and structure it in a way that's better for myself mentally, like make it more silly and lighthearted and episodic so that I don't feel like I have to commit to this huge kind of adventure, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I think I, I, I feel really comfortable now working on it. And um, I think because I recognized how I like to work and what I like to work on and I work better with kind of like small chunks of things. Like I'll do like a 12 page chapter. It'll just be silly. 
have like silly jokes and I kind of was even the world I made is kind of like uh what would you say just weird like I, I wanted a world with like kind of less rules so I could just do whatever I want mm -hmm. um and I think walking into a comic with that premise was way better for my brain um because uh yeah it just I found that that works for me better and I can kind of yeah it's just healthier for my my you head. know that's really <laughs> funny that you mentioned that because I uh I remember uh being on Instagram looking at uh Michael DeForge's story like he did an uh AMA um for those who don't know he's a um a graphic novel artist based in Canada and someone asked mm -hmm. him like uh how do you plan a for graphic novel and I really liked his answer that was well I kind of have like a nebulous idea of where I want to go and I kind of plot some beats but then I keep it always just uh up to the surprise of what I discover while I try to hit these beats and I was like uh so then it keeps so then it stays fresh and I was like oh this is so smart because it's like you do have a direction but it's still enjoyable and fun because I think mm -hmm. what you're saying is like with these long projects it's so easy to become bored of them <laughs> yeah it really is <laughs> um and I uh yeah it's I think just kind of like making a it's almost like I, I built a playground Mm -hmm. and I'm like I'm just gonna go play on it and today I'll play on the jungle gym today I'll play on the slides today I'll play That's on the swings yeah. like mm -hmm. I think like um I'm I decided okay I'm gonna make characters in a world where kind of anything can happen and um there's like some framework but I can just sort of jump in and be like you know what I want to draw um a cat lady today like and so I'm gonna just draw that and it's like yeah just being able to jump in and do whatever your brain wants to do that day is really refreshing especially compared to what we do for work mm -hmm. where it's yeah. like follow this outline follow yeah, the script you know stick to the lore of our show or whatever <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. like stick to the style of our show and it's like it's very freeing i think having that kind of project um to piggyback off of that we like to ask our guests how they deal with creative block and what it feels like for them um yeah i so that was uh one of the I, I was ready for that question and i was like how do i deal with creative block and then I, i'm like i don't think i deal with creative block like i don't i don't handle it very well <laughs> like I, i get really i get really like pissy and grumpy about it um i think i've like grown up a little bit by now but it's like every time it happens because i'll get into a rhythm of like creating something and feel really great and then as it happens you know you crash and then you can't do anything for days or weeks or like however long at a time sure and i just get, <laughs> i just get mad like <laughs> um and it, you know it's a pattern i feel like it i i should get used to and just accept the break but then i have this anxiety that if i you know lean too much into the break mm -hmm. then i will then um enjoy that too much and then lose the the motivation you know the... oh my god this sounds so familiar <laughs> yeah so it's like 
I, it's like, I, I know it's like, I need to practice like this sort of self care of letting myself rest. But I also know that I can, <laughs> I can, I can sleep for a long time if I let myself. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's, um, I guess to answer your question, it's like, I think I'm still kind of figuring it out. And it's, it's helpful to be surrounded by artistic people who remind me all the time that like, oh, you're just going through, you know, it's just, you know, it's just a phase, like, it'll, you'll get out of it. I think um, having that support from like, like-minded friends helps a lot too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's what we try to, that's why we ask the question because everyone deals with it differently. And like, I've gotten some, yeah. I feel like even just talking to people, I feel like I've obtained some uh, like hacks. I don't know. Like I've, I've figured out please, that like sometimes it is good to just, well, <laughs> you know, just like you mentioned it, but it's like the, the, the accepting it and walking away from things and, and um, switching gears. Like there's, we've had a lot of good little tidbits mm-hmm. um, over the past couple of years. Or like, um, cause also sometimes like, it's like, you know, I think it's like, do you have to practice some kind of self-care kind of like, like, cause there's like self-care that is kind of like, it can be physical. It can be like more um, artistic or like uh, spiritual or whatever, like doing the thing that uh, you've kind of like left aside because um, you were grinding at work so much. So I think for me, that's something that I often, that's kind of something that I see recurring a lot is like, oh like trying really hard to crack an idea and then it's like oh but i've been letting my self-care kind of slide so that's why i'm not like at the top of my mental shape i don't know that's yeah people will ask me like oh like when do you sleep with all the stuff you do and i'm like it's because i sleep a lot that i can do all the things i do like you need that rest that like that whole mentality of like staying up all night to work on something it's like okay well then you're gonna pay for that later like you're gonna yeah. end up feeling that later even if you don't have it now isn't that like a quote from like uh who's the um shigeru mizuki who is that his name who did the like kentaro yeah Gege-ge um, no. Um, yeah 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 so there's a quote i read it was like um you know my peers like uh Osama Tezuka and he mentioned someone else like they always were bragging they would stay up all night and like not sleep and make all these comics and bust out all these pages and whatever and then but then he was like but you know he was like you know what I sleep all the time and guess what they're dead and I'm still alive damn <laughs> it was something like that and I could be totally like quoting the wrong people like maybe I fabricated this in my head but I kind of like think about that all the time where it's like yeah you know what i'd rather take my daily nap sleep my eight hours every night and you know live long 100 percent. i agree and i feel like i don't know sleep is so important it's so easy to overlook but i feel like ever since i started sleeping actual full nights i'm like i feel so much better about life yeah seriously (laughs) <laughs> who knew um, it's like who the knew? basic the basic human the, needs they work yeah <laughs> um, uh we had some uh questions that we would love to ask you okay uh we're gonna answer some from our discord first it's like no you... i think i'm done yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> sign off and we're just silent 
I'm really tired. Actually, speaking of maps. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll talk to each other, V. Um, I'll uh, just honk snoo, honk snoo on the. Yeah. You can hear you snoring in the back. <laughs> I think I'm done. Uh, I want to start with questions from our Discord. If you love our show, cool. support us on Patreon and get access to our uh, Discord. Um, from By Allen's Bear, uh, I'm assuming you started out as an artist. Uh, so how was that transition to writing? Was it difficult at first or did it come naturally to you since you were already a storyteller before via drawings? No, that's a good question. Um, I, I think like I kind of said before, like I even then I started writing, I never really felt like a qualified writer for a long time because um, I had never like studied it or had any experience. Um, but then as I did it and realized I could do it and was was good at writing dialogue or outlines or whatever, um, it's kind of one of those things, it overlaps so much, yeah, with like the creativity I was doing before and like just storytelling and even just, I don't know, just being, having a reckless imagination, I guess. Mm -hmm. It just kind of, you know, you could funnel that into writing too. You just kind of had to um, just do it, you know, to realize that you could do it. Yeah, so, for sure. That's kind of my experience. I still, I, I, I have to like, I, I put it on like my resume and stuff. Like I'm a script writer and I'm like a, uh, I, I'm a writer. It still feels like I'm having this like imposter moment. Um, every time I say it, cause it's like, um, but I, I'm trying to do the whole thing. It's like, will, will that into existence? Like just by saying it a lot. That's tough. And also yeah. just remind myself like, yeah, I have done it. I have writing credit. So it's like, why do I feel yeah. Stupid calling myself a writer. Yeah, it never yeah. Really goes away. Yeah. Yeah, relatable. I feel like it's so crazy that um because you you are a writer you've obviously written for these shows but then it's that feeling if it's like well if i have an open final draft and punch some keys on a keyboard right. <laughs> you know yeah seriously it's like i don't it's like i don't know how to write in script format so i i'm not a i'm yeah. not a real writer <laughs> yeah no th there's a lot of weird little gatekeeping that happens yeah um from Joe, actually, from brother to drummer, uh, what is your favorite mood-setting jam to throw on to get motivated? Mood, wait, say it again. Mood-setting mood jam? Mood-setting jam. So, like, mood what song do you jam. listen to? Yeah. Okay. To get pumped. To get <laughs> pumped. Okay, I am a little strange with this because I, a lot of times, don't listen to music. Mm. Um, it's, uh, like, it just kind of... Uh, if I if I do, it's to drown out if there's noise around me. Like a lot of times, I'll go to like a cafe or something to draw on my iPad, like draw comic stuff, and just to drown out noise, I'll put on like a lo-fi playlist because it's it's kind of like background music. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, even I don't really like listen to a ton of music. Sometimes it just I love music, but sometimes it just like sounds it's like too distracting for me when I um, am trying to think about something, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I guess mostly just like instrumental stuff is my answer to that. Do you listen to like video game uh, soundtracks? Oh yeah, that stuff's great. Love yeah. it. I can never do that. Like I can't, um, 
And I think it's because I've never found instrumentals that feel good for me. Um, like when I need to get shit done, I put on Slipknot's live album and mm-hmm. just like fucking That's, go. It's amazing. I, I marvel at even when I like I can't exercise with music either. Really? Wow. Weird. Yeah. Interesting. So um, interesting. Yeah. Everyone's got you know what? It's not because of that quote in the animation survival. I was gonna say, it, yeah, you would make that I would no no no. I actually hate that. Yeah, I hate that <laughs> too. The, the guy yelling at him is like, You crazy, I can't listen to music. Isn't it isn't it yourself? Isn't it milk call that's like in the it's milk call? Yeah, like ugh. I don't know if you guys had that in school, but I remember when I was in Google, like everyone was like looking at his like yeah. line tests that were posted on Vimeo, and everyone's like, oh, so good. I mean, I guess he was, um, but <laughs> <laughs> idiot. What does he know? But what I'm does like, he know? <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, I don't know. That's so crazy to see. Like you know, you're reminded like, wow, old, like old times well it's just like it's one man's opinion like yes he's a very talented man but it's one man's opinion like brains are all different yeah and it's it's just such a weird thing to get so hung up on just because it's in a book like i don't know i know i I, so i just really wanted to clarify that if you love listening to music go for it if you don't don't listen to music do whatever you want don't listen to milt <laughs> It'll lead you astray. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. He's gonna call him Milt from now on. Milt. I'm not gonna give him give him his last name. <laughs> whatever Milt. gets you, whatever like works for you, man. I don't know. I I um, I'll go into moments if I can start work and I'm already kind of in a focused mood. Like it, it kind of has to happen by accident with me almost, where it's like I, I start on a task and I like forgot to put on music. And then I'm mm-hmm. like two hours later, I'm like, I've been sitting in silence for two hours. Like that happens. But most mornings I'll like put on some, you know, background TV noise or YouTube or something. And that just like helps me um, almost like it helps me focus more because I'm like not there's less pressure on it, you know, it's like a little yeah. ritual. Yeah, it is a ritual. I, I did. I definitely have that thing where like when i put on my headphones i'm like now i can work even if i don't always play music i most of the time i play music but like putting on my headphones feels really nice yes i used to uh (laughs) when it's a little when it's not 100 degrees outside i i love making like hot tea in the morning just because it like puts me in that you know i'll have a little mug i'll have my funny (laughs) little mug and i'll drink my little tea and i'll just get in them get in the zone cozy Um, vibes cozy vibes yeah um from joe benson whose idea was it to use lean on me in season one of amphibia and were y'all gonna put more emotional well-known songs in the rest of the series were you in on season one i was yeah on season one and then i did like one episode on season two um i i think i like rolled off the show before that episode was made sure um so I think my last episode on the season was before they had made that episode. So I have no clue about okay. any of that. I apologize. Okay. Um, <laughs> love Bill Withers, though. Yeah. they. This person has no way of knowing which episodes you worked on. <laughs> um, let's jump over to Twitter. Ask some questions from uh, the Twitter prompt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like fellow uh, Harvey Beaks, Big City Greens, and Jellystone alumni, have you ever thought of pitching your own Disney show? 
or I guess just show in general? Um, this is a question I get all the time. Um, cause I've seen a lot of friends, uh, pitch their own shows and kind of going off what we talked about before. Like, um, I think if I was given like a studio's existing IP, like if Nickelodeon came to me and said, Hey, make our rug, make a rug, not Rugrats, uh, or I guess, yeah, that's Nickelodeon, make a Rugrats or make a yeah. Garfield show. Um, like just as an example, I think I could do something like that, but pitching my own show to a studio is something I don't think I ever want to do. Yeah. That makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah. Because it's another thing of it's like, Oh, it's like, um, am I going to surrender my creation to, um, the studio when I know it's going to go through all these filters, go through all these changes, get focus tested, Mm-hmm. Um, and even then just like be worked on by so many people that it won't be, or I'll have to be like clamoring to keep it what I want it to be. And like, I don't want to be a, that kind of control freak in that scenario, which is why yeah. I like having a comic because it's like, I can just do things my way. I don't have to like count on anyone other than myself. And I also don't have to like go through any notes, passes or anything like that. Um, and honestly, like I just seen so much heartache from people pitching beautiful shows, amazing ideas, and then just seeing networks like, uh, no thanks. Yeah. But yeah. No, it's not for everyone. I it's feel not for like anyone. Yeah, <laughs> it's like... not for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's kind of funny when I. <sighs> we'll see maybe we'll cut this from the podcast but like it's kind of funny when you see shows (laughs) that have premises that are literally like well he's just a kid with spiky blonde hair and two sisters that are scientists and you're you know and it's like and you know and it's picked up it has seasons and you're like huh (laughs) Maybe we don't need to think that hard. I don't no, know. We don't. we don't. It's the the That's the thing. You'd have to pitch something. It's gotta be like, this is about a booger that fell in a puddle and now that booger can sing and he goes to Broadway. And it's like I'm taking notes. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a um anyone can take that idea. Yeah. Just uh, it... give me a no i will not um i think that's the the healthier approach in a lot of ways what you just and that's i i see i feel like the people that have the most success with um actually getting shows at at least picked up into development green lighting is a whole other nightmare um Mm -hmm. but at least getting picked in development it really is it's just like you water it down to like a I mean, they say it's an elevator pitch, but it's, I think it's more than that. It, it's just like a Netflix description. Like I, yeah. it, it's like, you have to be just flipping through things. That's how, that's why I've tried to start thinking of my ideas. Cause they, they end up being too huge. And, and then I'm like, well, how would like a mom flipping through Netflix even understand this and, and put it on for her kid to watch like it like that's the level of dumbed down that you have to think when you're presenting these things it's and then uh, even then it's like yeah and 
I think we all entered the industry also with the idea that Hollywood and entertainment was going to be a lot more forward thinking than it actually oh, is. Boy, yeah. But I think yeah. because they realize they have to sell these, you know, products essentially to a global or like yeah. international market. Like a lot, you'll like pitch, oh, I want to have, you know, a female main character. And they're like, well, how are the, how are the boys going to like that? maybe maybe she likes dirt bikes um maybe she's just one of the guys and then we can get our male viewership and it's like what the fuck i can't believe we're like it just feels insane having to deal with the that's the kind of notes you get when you go into development and like you just have like can have this beautiful idea that it just has to go through like filters like that and it's like i don't want to have to think about you know are the anyways yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I'm that, makes, that makes a lot of sense no no no. i mean i totally get it because that's what i was, I was thinking about recently i was thinking about because i've been pitching a lot recently i've pitched uh for both of the um, um shorts program the the cartoon network one and the nickelodeon one and i just kind of came and and before i pitched to them i pitched i was working on a pitch for six months, like a, an idea that I had for a very long time that I really love, that that a lot of my artist friends really love, but for some reason, it's like like when I pitch it, I feel like oh, then like it's like nobody understands it, and I didn't even think it was like that hard of an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like kind of like a, a it's kind of a classic kind of like medieval. Um, anthro world and there's like you know um it's a bit of of like a vaudeville where it's like we pretend to be a thing and then we're another thing Mm -hmm. and that's just like well is it a wait what is this is this like are the are we do we have knights or do we have comedy you know (laughs) like and i'm like all right all right i go to i'm just gonna and then i was like i'm just gonna stop pitching stuff that are not in our reality because it's too confusing and i was like all right let's just just suburban (laughs) suburban (laughs) american neighborhood we're all on the same page one of my favorite like i think people were talking about this online kind of a while ago but how people will say like oh the people get notes like we want to see they can relate to that. So show them in class and show their classmates yeah. and things like that. And it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like who, what kid wants to, I mean, it's like, you can make a school show fun. Sure. But to like, consider that a requirement for like getting into the, de- the kid demographic. It's like, <laughs> I can't see a kid being like, mommy, they don't go to school. No, like, it's... I don't get it. <laughs> it's like creatively brain dead. I'm not going to pull punch. Like it, it is, yeah. it is people who have never done a creative thing in their fucking lives that are trying to like understand children, but also like creativity. And it, it like drains me and pisses me off so much to see. To be fair though, I know what you, I know where you're coming from. I do feel like we tend to forget that some of those like really big era of cartoons had a lot of shows like Doug or like Recess or like Ed, Ed and Eddie or uh, Dex- Dexter is very grounded in reality. Um, and to some extent, it, like it, invaderism is, is all, it's pretty much reality. Yeah. It's a cartoony version of it, but it is reality and they still go to school. So I think it's like, 
I don't know. I've been thinking about that a lot recently because I'm like, I just want to do fantasy and sci-fi. And then I, I'm like, I'm like, okay, wait, hold on. Let's kind of look at what, you know, what are the shows that have well, been made in the past yeah. 20 years? And then I was like, ah, you know. It depends on your approach, right? Cause it's yeah. like, if you're, if you're comfortable with that. Um, yeah. 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 Because I, I mean, yeah. there's also a lot of other shows that were complete nonsense. There was a show about two beavers, you know, like, and so yeah. <laughs> I think it's just it's it's the limitations that annoy me. That it it feels like they look for a formula. That's a, ma- what I was gonna say. Yeah, like making yeah. rules, trying to apply rules to it is just always gonna kill it. Yeah, because like, yeah. like for sure, like school stuff is good for a reason, and and um. There's a reason why it works, but to limit other shows, you're you're cutting off the next. You know, people love Star Wars. Boy, do they love talking about how Star Wars. I've been in writers' meetings where they're like, "Look, you care. Look, you talk about Luke Skywalker, right?" And like, blah blah blah. And I'm like, and I'm like, I, I got so fucking sick of hearing people compare shit to Star Wars and like bringing it up as this like pillar of amazing storytelling because it's like, first of all, Star Wars is not the the mind-blowing perfect story that people want to make it seem but even if you like it which is fine i love star wars too but like they keep coming back to it and it's like that shit is like it i don't know i don't even know it's like it's it's one of those things it's like just it's just a narrow mindset i think it's like there's not they don't have a, a a wide scope of like what a good story can be you know yeah they see what's you know been successful and it's like okay that's the model that's the formula yeah, you and can't have everything like, be star wars like I, I don't know yeah um and also i think what's kind of funny about bringing up star wars is that star wars was like a really hard show yeah, yeah. to pitch and it get wasn't, picked it, up. it wasn't it wasn't easy it was successful yes but honestly even within its the the parameters of its success it wasn't the global hit it is now like it was a very nerdy movie that built up over time a lot of stuff like that is and they miss that aspect of it like they like yeah. even um people weren't some, on board with it i heard no, stories like when they were like shooting it some people were just like mm, nerd central over there mm, this is never gonna go anywhere kind of thing yeah, 100 <laughs> yeah. i even watched i like um i like the show um the offer which is about how they made the godfather and like it's probably exaggerated a lot of it um but it's great because it shows how even The Godfather, which is like considered one of the best movies of all time, everyone is like, what is this fucking mafia picture? Like, it's this bullshit. <laughs> and like, and they had to keep saying like, it's not, a, they're like, it's a gangster film. And like, it's not a gangster film. It's about family. It's like really heartwarming, you know, whatever. And, um, and it's just, it's just so funny because everyone, nobody's ever going to understand yeah, nothing is going to be good until it's proven, and you're never going to get anything good if you're always worrying about what's already been proven. Anyway. Yeah. Um, That's why it seems like... Um, well, it's like... I, I've heard that studios almost kind of want to see something established already, like um, want to see that, oh, like that you have like a comic, or like you kind of have to almost like make something on your own first to kind of prove that it can be that your vision can be good i think mm-hmm. um almost as a way to like if you want to then eventually make it something bigger like a show like i think it helps convince people of that maybe i don't know i also think 
I think like from my personal experience, I feel like relationships are almost more important than the idea. Like I think, uh, yeah. I think people want to like, they want to know your track record and they want to have met up with you and talked to you enough that they're like, we can trust this person. They're mm -hmm. not going to blow fuse or whatever, like, mm -hmm. and that they are talented enough to be a leader uh, because it's not just about the idea, but it's also about, are you going to be able, like, you're basically, I know, like, I mean, cause I fell in this trap as well. When I was like a kid, I was like, I want to be a mega cat. And then you look at like how mega cats actually work and you're like, oh, this is awful. And then you're like, I want to yeah. be a showrunner. And then you're like, <laughs> oh, and it's like, <laughs> and it's like, everywhere you turn, everyone's suffering. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> And it's like, you know, you're, you're not, you're, and then you're like an engineer, like you're kind of like, you're not as much of, you're a little bit of a creator, but mostly you're like a product uh, engineer. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's a good way to think yeah. of it. I think it's a great way to think of it. I, I think that we, we, and I, I'll speak for myself. Like I definitely thought that it was more about a creative endeavor and it's not it's what v said it is a product like you're selling a product and, yeah and um i think for anybody pitching and going into it i think it's really important to keep that in mind and work backwards from that and that's where you know when you go into pitch it's good to have an idea of like it's this plus this because it's it's like how inventors will be like, it's the chamois that, you know, dry. Like it's, it's like, it's like uh, those infomercials. Like that's how you have to think of a pitch almost like it cleans messes with no fuss. And like, and it shows like the p people in black and white, like fucking dropping all of their plates or whatever. And it's like that. It's like, you thought that show was good. Now it's that show, but it's this now and it'll make even more money. And yeah, it's like, which it's, I don't know. I can't get myself in the pitch mindset. Like, I don't, I, I don't think I have that salesman mentality. That's a huge part of it. And that's the part that's like the hardest, at least for me. And I think that's why I do rely a lot on those kind of comparisons. It's like, mm -hmm. remember these two shows? Well, imagine what they could be together and then this character is like this this beloved actor or this character is like this other beloved yeah, character yeah. from this beloved show and i think yeah. that really i didn't at first i was like i hate this and now i'm like hmm, that kind of makes sense like you know it's like it kind of helps people visualize yeah you know it's structure. yeah every it, it's just it structures a pitch in a way that makes it easy for people yeah to uh, understand um, a couple of questions, last questions, okay. uh, from at Sparrow core. Um, it's a doozy, but it's how has being a gay artist influenced your experience in the industry? Hmm. Um, how's being a gay artist influenced my experience in the industry? Um, let's see. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is the, well, I, and I've talked a little about this, but like the conflict between growing up gay and Mormon um, and kind of like resolving that. I think the, here's what I think. Trauma, you can turn your traumas into a sense of humor or like you can kind of gain a sense of humor when you go through like shit in your life, mm -hmm. um, just like sort of laughing it off. Mm -hmm. And I honestly like, I, um, 
I think that's one of the best things it's given me. It's that like, oh, you know, like this has been really hard, but it's kind of funny if you think about it. Like, <laughs> um, like turning those things into like making it lighthearted almost. Um, so I think like going through that, having that conflict kind of gave me a perspective on life that to kind of look at things with more of a sense of humor, which helps a lot in, you know, storyboarding and working in, TV animation and uh, on comedy things and um, and I could kind of like yeah I, when I was at BYU it was a lot of you know like uh, cis straight white people mm-hmm. um, which is like you know what a lot of what the you know, Utah population is mm-hmm. um, and I was like it was it just you know very vanilla which can be you know like a very vanilla sense of humor or like kind of thing came out of a lot of, I don't know, like that mindset. And I was like, Oh, I think like I I had kind of like a darker mentality, I think, or like a darker (laughs) sense of humor. Um, And I think it, it made the stuff that I made kind of stand out a little bit more compared to this very tame, you know, uh, abide by God's law content that was coming out of. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of LDS people not say that, you know, if you're a practicing religious person, you can't be funny, but it was, I think it kind of helped me develop my own voice in a space where I felt like nobody was saying things that I was saying. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I guess that's kind of how it's been a good influence. I mean, there's like living in LA and like working in animation is so open-minded and there's so many, you know, gay people people on the spectrum you know there's such a variety of people that uh i feel very at home and it's easy to to you know be completely myself in this space which is really nice so it's nice to feel safe in a place first because that helps you do (laughs) your job you know (laughs) yeah i think that's what you're also touching on is that i think there's like a um maybe a little bit of a divide between the perception of the industry with all of like what's going on right now like you know corporation kind of cracking down on the content the the mm-hmm. the what's inside the content that's being made versus what the teams like what the identity of the teams are and yeah. uh i think the crews and and the people who make the content are way more like diverse oh, uh yeah. than the content that comes out because the con- the content has to go through the notes but the people don't have to <laughs> yeah 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 um that's a good clarification to make is that everyone that i work alongside with is of you know a very open-minded kind of very creative mindset but then it there are the if that's what you're talking about kind of how yeah kind of how filters of um the higher up filters, that's where things get a bit more conservative, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But um, this person actually had uh, a few good questions. Um, what type of things do you hate drawing? Some artists hate hands, birds, etc. <laughs> that's, <sorry>, that's, <laughs> <such> a... <laughs> that's such a fun list. I just like, <laughs> some artists hate hands, birds. Some hate hands. birds. <laughs> I love that. Um, you know, I like, here's what I don't like drawing. I don't like drawing things realistically. 
and maybe that's also just because I can't. Um, but I also just don't want to. If I ever have to or feel like I have to draw a likeness of someone um, or likeness of anything really without getting to exaggerate it, I hate that because mm. um, I feel constrained again. Mm. Um, so there's not necessarily something specific because everything I draw, I like to kind of put it through my own filter of what I want it to look like in my drawing, whether it's like birds or hands or <laughs> um, <laughs> I kind of found that, especially in drawing comics, I was like, oh, you know what? I wasn't really good at drawing um, like this kind of environment or this kind of pose or this kind of um, whatever, but kind of being in a space where you're like, well, I want to draw this. So I, I have to draw it to finish this page. Um, you kind of learn like, oh, like anything can be fun to draw if you kind of make it your own, no matter what that is, you know, I like, I've been drawing a lot of palm trees in my comic and I live around a lot of actual palm trees. And I look at the palm trees in real life and I'm like, I don't draw palm trees like that. I, I kind of draw this weird version of palm trees that I don't think exists in reality, but it's, it's really fun. And I so, could yeah, draw same. tons of them, you know? I don't know what it is. But yeah, I love, I love palm trees. There's something mm. about it that it like feels. I don't. I don't know if otherworldly is the right term, but like. Um, no. Yeah. It feels different than what I'm used to, which is, I guess, the the standard green tree, bushy green tree. It has like a little more life to it. Yeah. Um, you have a lot of, uh, and, and actually, I'll tie it into this next question. Uh, how do you get your art to be both? so volumetric and so dynamic at the same time um i well, i guess first of all thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh i think that it's like that's just what i like to draw and a lot of the art i really like is art that shows volume with line and i don't know why that is it's just i don't know i just like how it looks when people do it well um so I, I think I just like, oh, I don't know. It's like, how do you do this? It's like, I just do it a lot, I guess. <laughs> um, and it's the only way I really want to draw. Like, I love people who draw in a very, like, I love like a, like that kind of flat style that you see even in like, like a lot of like old cartoons and stuff. I think it's so like fun. I love those kinds of designs, but. You mean that like UPA? That's okay. I was trying yeah. to think of that, but I didn't want to sound like an idiot on the podcast. <laughs> it's too late. It's like, I'm like, yeah, like the UTI style. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my brain was headed. Oh, I love it. <laughs> like, yeah, stuff like that. Um, That's like very flat. It, it, but in terms of stuff I like to draw, it's like, I don't know. I just, I almost like to draw it as if it, ideally it would be like a cg model that i've outlined almost uh, yeah i, I get yeah. that mm -hmm. um I but well yeah. i feel i see a lot of um toriyama influence on your art and i i share the love i yeah we love toriyama in this house <laughs> yes we do yeah and also um, like all old capcom like 90s capcom oh my artwork. god yeah yeah, yeah. that's just really i just dive into those things and try to try to be that <laughs> yeah that's really good um well awesome is there anything you want to um plug, plug while you're on the show a plug oh 
Um, <laughs> you, I was, you probably kept this. I was gonna say, like, go to lds.org to find out more about the Mormon Church. <laughs> this has been one long Don't. advertisement. <laughs> if you want to be like Aaron, if, yeah. If you want to turn your trauma into tramedy, which is trauma comedy trauma, <laughs> then head on over to get baptized today. Yeah, you don't have to put any of that. Um, that's funny though, but yeah, yeah. you can, yeah, if you want. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I I wasn't prepared for a plug. Well, well you what about to, your yes? Coming. This is Aaron on Twitter. What about mommy's oh. miracle tank? Okay, mommy's okay, sorry, big sorry. butt tank. <laughs> <laughs> Follow me on yes, this is Aaron at twitter.com. Yeah, I, uh, how do I do this? I have a comic called Mommy's Miracle Tank that you can reheat on twitter.com. Mommy's or dump Mommy's truck Miracle ass. Tank. Mommy's Dump Truck Miracle <laughs> Dump Truck Tank. Dump ass tank. <laughs> dot tumbler. Ah, MDTTDDT. <laughs> I do I do have a I do have a Tumblr, mommy's miracle tank .com, and I'm working on chapter three that I'll hopefully post soon. Um but yeah, sorry, I thought when you said plug, I thought you meant I've heard people plug like other things that they like at the moment and I can't oh, think sure. of any um We don't do that here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's when they're um, trying to, to be sneaky and they're like, yeah. well, I don't want to talk about myself. I want to yeah. talk about, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what uh, what goals do you have for the future? What goals do I have for the future? Um, biggest one is um, in terms of like personal projects, I just want, I really want to publish a comic. That's just sure. the dream I've, I'm holding on to. Um, so hopefully in the next couple of years, I like, I, I, I like I really like the idea of doing a Kickstarter. I know mm -hmm. it can be kind of a nightmare, mm -hmm. too, but I like oh, the idea cool. of kickstarting something. Would you rather um, do it um, do, do it all on your own, like um, with the crowd funding and everything, or would you also try pitching to a uh, a publisher like like Penguin or um, I don't know? I'm trying to think that's about. A, a good question. I don't like. I think I'm open for either i i haven't really like weighed the pros and cons of each yet mm -hmm. um yeah i think if i had something kind of complete or near completion and then could pitch it to a publisher and be like here's my book don't change it but just make it <laughs> yeah that's tough <laughs> but that's tough. yeah which is why the self-publishing kind of crowdfunding route sounds fun um because it keeps with the keeping it how i how I want it to be, but we'll see. Right now, I'm just having a lot of fun making it. Um, Sounds great. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the end of this creative block. Aaron, thanks for being our guest and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. And thanks to your listeners. Follow us on Twitter. It's at creative block, creative without the vowels, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to our editor, Clements, for editing the podcast and Malik for helping us produce the show. And if you love our show, then support us on Patreon. Becoming a patron gets you early access to interviews as well as bonus episodes. Click the link in the description of this episode. I've been your host, Gene. And I was V, keeping creative, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.